My name is Marian Brown. I'm one of your pastors for Chapel Roswell, and I need you to do me a favor. I need you to check out your cell phone, and I need you to check in. That's right. Check into social media and tell everybody that you're here at Chapel Roswell because for the month of June, we're doing Chapel Roswell check-in. When you're not here, we still want you to check in with us and tell us where you are. So for the whole month of June, take your Chapel Roswell shirts, take your water bottles, take the bags we've given you, take anything with our name on it. If you don't have anything with Chapel Roswell on it, Go to the Connection Center. We'll give you something to take with you. But we want you to take it and pack it in your suitcase. We know you're going to go on vacations and travel. We want you to take them with you. Take a selfie wherever you are and email it to us. You can email it at checkin at chapelroswell.com. So we'll see where you are. Your pictures, they might just end up in our videos for worship. I don't know if you saw We've already had people check in from Alaska on the youth mission trip. We even had the missionary that spoke at Global Impact Celebration Sunday. She happened to check in from the Red Sea. Let's see where you are going to check in. Also remember, while you are traveling and on vacation and doing all sorts of fun things in June, you can always join worship online, so please do live streaming. To give you another kind of check-in from last week, last Memorial Day weekend, instead of having a spoken message, we were a living witness on the front lawn. Over 200 of us gathered on the front lawn with the goal to make 5,000 lunches for Must Ministries. Guess what? You did it. You actually made over 5,000 lunches last week. It's amazing, so great job. Because you are a modern expression of a historic faith, I'm going to give you a church calendar check-in. It's pretty exciting, yeah. <laughs> church calendar stuff's always a lot of fun. I want you to know that today... Our check-in, we are celebrating Ascension Sunday. Woo! Yeah, thank you. That's about the reaction the planning team gave me. <laughs> Easter morning, when the tomb is empty, it begins the Easter season of about 40 days. And during those 40 days, Jesus makes appearances to the disciples. On Ascension Day, those appearances end because Jesus is ascended, lifted up into heaven in the clouds to live with God forever. The exact location of this is debatable. The exact timing of this is debatable because it depends on which story you read. But today, I'm going to read the Ascension story as told by the gospel writer Luke. You can read the whole thing, but on the screens you'll see our scripture from Luke today. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You are the witnesses of these things. 
And then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. In my mind, I see Jesus just talking with his hands. And then he lifts his hands. And as he lifts his hands, his whole body just goes up. It shouldn't surprise me that Jesus uses his hands in the Ascension story because Jesus uses his hands in every story. Every story about Jesus, he's going to use his hands. He used his hands to heal the sick, to touch the untouchables. He uses his hands to pray. He uses his hands to say, follow me. He uses his hands to make things quiet. He uses his hands to break bread, and he uses his hands to save. The most public, the most private, the most intimate moments, the most important moments, Jesus uses his hands. Makes me wonder, what do you think his hands look like? Do you think they look like his mother Mary's? Do you think they looked old, young? Do you think you could see all his veins and his bones? He was a carpenter, so maybe they were calloused, had bruises or scars. I remember one night, my now husband Nathan took me on one of those early dinner dates. And during dinner, he put his hands out on the table like this. So, instinctively, I put my hands on top of his. And you know how sweethearts do. They kind of take your hands and they rub those fingers over, thumbs over your hands. I got all those butterflies and I was just waiting to see what he said. You know, something really good, really complimentary. Yeah. All of a sudden, he looked at me and he said, Wow, your hands look a lot older than you do. <laughs> Not what I expected. I looked down, I'm like, yeah, they kind of do. Because <laughs> my fingers, they bend just like my grandmother's. And I look, my whole hand is the same size and shape as my grandfather's. But then I look past those things and I see all that I have done and all of my work, all that I've been through. What do your hands look like? Go ahead, you can look at them. What do they look like? Do they look like you've been swimming all weekend? Do they look like maybe you've been coloring with markers or maybe paint or maybe you've been outside picking weeds? Do your hands look like they're older than you are? <laughs> Do your hands so, show those signs of youth? Do your hands carry signs of illness or health? We do the most wonderful things with our hands. We do things like wash babies. 
and we tie little shoelaces, and we drive, and we take care of others, and we help others. There's so much in our hands. In our hands, we carry things like every relationship we've had. We carry broken relationships. We carry addictions. We carry things that we have loved dearly. We carry burdens. We carry in our hands all that we have found of value. Our hands represent us. But we know that hands can be dangerous. We've heard that just this weekend. We're reminded of another shooting and how dangerous hands can be. Go to any domestic violence shelter and you can see the horrific things that hands can do because hands can kill, they can hurt, they can throw, they can hit. And they can do these things slowly day by day or in one swift moment. We must be careful because hands can be a very powerful thing. When I was in Virginia, I was a hospital chaplain at a level one trauma center. And the shift that I was assigned was from 4 p.m. to midnight in the emergency department. Well, there was one night I received a call about 11.30. A woman had been shot by her boyfriend and she was coming into the emergency room. So, of course, I immediately went in to look for her little divided area in the emergency room. And you have to know in the emergency room there are lots of rules, if you don't know that. There are rules. And the rules for chaplains, don't touch the patient. Police officers will come get the evidence. Social workers will come and get all their belongings. The medical team will take care of the patient. Chaplains, only use their voices. We're supposed to comfort. We're supposed to ask questions, answer questions. But whatever you do, chaplains, don't touch the patient. You just get in the way. You can imagine my surprise when I walked into that area and there was already a chaplain there. Happened to be the chaplain that was the midnight shift. He got there a little early and that's not too surprising. What was even more surprising is what the chaplain was doing. He was standing right over her with his hand wrapped around her arm. And he was bent over and he was whispering something in her ear. I'm a rule follower. So immediately I thought, he's getting in trouble. <laughs> but I stood there and watched as he just stood. He kept holding on to her, whispering something in her ear. And all of this chaos was happening all around them. People were shouting out orders, calling out numbers and medicine and x-rays, all this chaos, and it never impacted the chaplain holding on to her, whispering something in that ear. And then, all of a sudden, the chaplain turned and started to lead the way as they roll the patient all the way into surgery. And that's when he let go. 
the next day, my next shift, I was supposed to check on her, and I did. I went and found her room, and I walked in. I said, I'm a chaplain here. I'm just coming by to see you. And she said, oh, you're a chaplain? Well, that means you have to believe anything I say, right? Oh, yeah, sure. She said, I have to tell somebody you're going to think I'm crazy, but you have to believe me. She said, yesterday, I knew it was my very last day on earth. I just knew it was my last day on earth. And she said, but from the moment I got to this hospital, I felt someone holding on to me, calling my name. She said, I just kept looking for somebody, but I didn't see anybody, but I could feel somebody holding on to me, calling my name. And I have never felt so loved in all my life. Hear the ascension story again because it captures what Jesus did on his very last day on earth. With his hands, he speaks to them. With his hands, he leads them. With his hands, he blesses them. I don't know what Jesus' hands looked like, but I know they had signs of life and of death, of compassion, of mercy, of love and forgiveness. And I know that Jesus' hands looked exactly like the image of God. And the very last thing, the very last act of Jesus on this earth was to pass the power from his hands onto ours. No longer does Jesus appear directly. Rather, he appears through us. Now we have the opportunity, the responsibility to be Christ for others. There was this curmudgeon old church man named Mike. Do you know what a curmudgeon old church man is? He's curmudgeon -y. He never misses a Sunday, but he's never happy about being there. He's, you know, he's the guy that's going to stand in the back of the meetings and just wring his hand about all those decisions those people are making. He's the guy that's going to stand in the back of the sanctuary and wring his hands about what people are doing and what people are wearing these days. But in this one particular church, he happens to also be the only man that would drive the church bus. <laughs> So it came time for the youth group to go to the nursing home to sing songs. And Mike had to drive the van. Mike drove them there, and Mike did what Mike does. And he found himself a spot in the back of the room. So while they were singing, he kind of did one of these numbers. They made him mad. You know, they made him mad. He's curmudgeon. So he went, Phew. and as soon as he did, Somebody grabbed his hand. Mike looked down, and it was a man in a wheelchair. And Mike didn't know what to do, so he just stood there for the whole hour holding the hand of the man in the wheelchair. Well, next month came around. 
Mike went to the back of the room. The man in the wheelchair came over and grabbed his hand again. And for an hour, they held hands. Next month, same thing. Next month, repeat, repeat. These two little guys became quite the pair. As you may expect, Mike went to the nursing home one day, and the man in the wheelchair wasn't there that day. So while the youth were singing, Mike went over to the nurse's station and asked about him. And she did one of the, like, look around. She said, okay, just follow me. Come on. And led him over to a room. When they got to the door, the nurse put her hand on his back and said, he's been unconscious for two days. But if you want to see him, it's okay with me. Mike went in, and Mike had never seen him not in a wheelchair. And he was here lying on the bed. So Mike pulled up the wheelchair himself, and he sat down next to the man. And he took the man's hand in his and just sat and held hands. And after some time, he had a prayer. He prayed out loud. He prayed. And as soon as he finished his prayer, the man squeezed his hand. As soon as he did, Mike began to weep. Well, he soon realizes he had to wipe his tears away because he had to go back to being the curmudgeonly old man for the youth group. <laughs> so as he's wiping his hand and as he starts to walk out of the room, he runs into a woman. And she says, you know, my dad's been waiting for you. Mike said, what, what are you talking about? He said, yeah. The last thing my dad told me was that Jesus comes here once a month and holds his hand for a whole hour. The very last thing my father said to me was, I'm not going anywhere till I hold his hand one more time. Our hands, through the most public, the most private, and the most important things in this world, Today, we have an opportunity to actually touch God's grace through the bread of communion. And so before we do, I invite you to get those hands out. Look at them. Go ahead. And what we're going to do today is we're going to take a moment and bless our hands. If you want to, you can hold the hands of someone next to you and have them blessed together. You can do it by yourself. You can do it however you want to, but you can repeat after me. Looking at your hands, you can repeat softly. You can whisper it. You can do it in your head. You can yell it out loud, whatever you want to do. Are you ready? These are the hands of your child. Strong and full of love. These are the hands that will cherish you. These are the hands that will comfort your people. These are the hands that will wipe away tears. These are the hands that will hold others. 
These are the hands that will bring peace. And these are the hands that will never do harm. These are the hands we carry but give to you, Lord. God, now I ask that you bless all of these hands that you see before you this day. Bless all of the people and all of the friends and all of the families that we represent. Use now our hands for healing, for protection, for shelter, and for guidance. Amen. Part of our worship today is that we worship through giving. And so if you would like to be a part of Chapel Roswell and the ministry and the work of Chapel Roswell, we invite you to give. And here are the ways that you can do that on the screen. You can use your phone after you've checked in. You can use your phone. There are also baskets over here by the doors where that you can drop your offering in. Another way that we will respond today is through Holy Communion. And so... As we prepare for Holy Communion, I invite you to be in a moment of prayer. Our communion servers and our band are going to come up, and we will prepare our hearts for prayer. Let us pray together. Holy and gracious Lord, we thank you for all that you have given to us and done for us. We ask also that you forgive us for any of our mistakes that we have made. And may you guide us into this week as new, renewed people. And Lord, may you also prepare our hearts that we may receive this symbol of your grace and the symbol of your love so that we can feel you working in us. Help us use this time to reach out to you, Lord. And may you use these elements to help us serve your people better. Amen. We gather around the table as Jesus did with his friends so many times. And we remember the night that Jesus had dinner. And we do the very same thing that Jesus did on the night in which he gave himself up for us. He took the bread he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. Do this as often as you will in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he gave thanks to you over the cup. And he said to his friends gathered, Drink this as often as you will for the salvation of you and for many. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, we offer ourselves in praise as a living sacrifice to our Lord. And so now we say, God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, redeemed for you. May we be in the world the way you need us to be. Amen. This communion table is not just for Chapel Roswell. This is God's table. And so we invite all who wish to receive. This is the Lord's table. The invitation is for you and for all. If you would like to come at that time when your server is in position, you may simply get up and leave to your left. Go this way. You may serve uh, through intinction. 
You're going to get a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and then you take. And then you can return to your seat by the side aisles and just go right back around. So you're going to stand, go to your left, receive, and then go right back in the other, other end of your pew.